to the Outcast. My desire is to bring insightful, healing conversation to our diverse communities, including the trans community, who I'd like to highlight in this episode. Transgender men and women often face discrimination and, yes, even hatred from their families, co-workers, and even from so-called friends. There's a lot of hate-driven violence directed at the transgender community, and many people have said that comes from a place of simply not knowing anyone who is transgender personally, or not knowing what to say to them, or what questions to ask. Well, that is no excuse for hate. While great progress has been made in some areas, transgender communities are constantly fighting for equal rights. And transgender people are more visible in the media and in our society than ever before. Consider this. PFLAG National started an outreach and education program back in 2007 called Straight for Equality. And some of the statistics that they came out with, just astounding. Roughly 50% of people who are LGBTQ are not out in their workplaces. And in more than half of the states in the U.S., LGBTQ people can still get fired from their jobs. About 90% of people who are trans say that they have experienced discrimination at work simply for being trans. If that alarms you as it does me, then you will want to know how you can become an ally, how you can become a friend, and how you can support the transgender people in your life. On this episode, I'm happy to welcome the National Center for Transgender Equality, a national social justice organization devoted to ending discrimination and violence against transgender people through education and advocacy on national issues of importance to transgender people. And I'd like to welcome Rebecca Kling, who is the education program director for the National Center for Transgender Equality. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. The Outcast podcast is supported by Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com. Most folks who work here love living here, and that makes a difference. At Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com, they're proud to work the hometown advantage around the clock, connecting local employers to local job seekers. Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com makes it easy to post a job and it's local, so you won't get spammed by faraway job seekers. And if you're looking for a good local job, search jobs and apply online right now. Get the advantage of finding a job close to home at Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com. Local jobs that work. It's great to have you and I know I found a fantastic guide to supporting the transgender people in your life uh, on your website and just a really great great resource for a lot of people to read. Tell me from your perspective why educating ourselves is so important. Absolutely and I think that's a great place to start. Ultimately the transgender community is looking for what everyone is looking for to be treated with respect to have our dignity and humanity honored and acknowledged. And there are a lot of folks out there who just aren't familiar with what transgender identity means. Maybe they don't have any out transgender people in their lives. Maybe they've learned about a little bit from seeing transgender people on TV or reading articles in the news. But for the vast majority of people, this isn't something they learn about when they're growing up. This isn't something that's necessarily taught to them by their parents or in school. And so being able to have some understanding of what some of this language means, what this experience is like, and humanizing transgender people is really makes a huge difference in, in building support 
and uh, creating strong allies. Even though we have made a lot of progress in some areas, a lot of, and I know you see it firsthand, Rebecca, a lot of the uh, the transgender people are constantly fighting for equal rights, and that's something to remember, too, as you're educating yourself about this. Absolutely, and one of the things that I feel really lucky to be able to do the work that I'm doing is to connect with transgender a- activists, transgender advocates, and really strong allies who are literally all across the country. I love the fact that in the guide to supporting the transgender people in your life, you say that you don't have to understand someone's identity to respect it. And that can obviously go across the board for gay or bisexual or non-binary as well. But that's important to remember. It's not that you have to understand every piece in order to respect it. Right. And, you know, in in a perfect world, I think it would be great that we could all understand each other um, better than we do, right? But there are a lot of people in the world, and there are a lot of um, there's beautiful diversity and difference in the world, and I can respect someone else even if I don't totally understand them or where they're coming from. It's so true, and I'm I'm really glad you pointed that out because I feel like we are in a time where we're where a, a lot of people are trying to learn more and educate themselves more and understand where other people from different places are coming from, and I think that's a really great way to start. One of the things that you talk about in your guide too is that there's really no one right way to be transgender. There there are a lot of questions that a lot of people have regarding a medical transition and maybe. A not a medical transition completely. Are those kinds of questions in your experience appropriate to sit down and have a discussion about if you want to learn more? I think it really depends who you're asking. Yeah. I think they're absolutely appropriate to type into Google. Do transgender people have sur- surgery? Why do transgender people have surgery? How do transgender people date? Um, what does it mean to be transgender? But depending on the relationship with the person and the situation is going to really change whether or not that's an appropriate interpersonal question. You know, if I'm teaching a workshop, I've put my educator hat on, I've chosen to be there, and I will usually say I am open to being asked questions that might be inappropriate if you bumped into me at a Starbucks. Right. Flipping that around as well can be helpful to, to think, well, would me asking you about your medical history or your sexuality or the way your genitals work be appropriate? And in some rare circumstances, it is. Usually it's not. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you really do have to feel out the comfort level and, and you know, how well you know the person. You know, I'm thinking about uh, some of my transgender friends. Obviously, I've been able to have some very in-depth discussions. Uh, but at the same time, if I, you know, have a coworker, you know, it may be a little different. And someone I don't know may be a lot different. But I think when you are educating yourself don't be afraid to google i think that's a fantastic point don't be afraid to google what that is and what it's about and and what kind of uh obstacles uh transgender people face what i think is so interesting and in my experience is that a lot of people don't understand some of the some of the uh uphill battles that a transgender person may face including things like legally changing their name or the restroom discussion you know there's a lot of a a lot of discussion that goes around all of that that a lot of people just aren't aware of. And there are a couple of things that make that even trickier. First is there is such a wide difference in what support and resources exist based on where in the country you are. Right. That in 
big cities and even increasingly in, in smaller or middle-sized cities, there's likely to be some sort of LGBT center. There's likely to be doctors who are um, able to support transgender patients. There's likely to be resources and groups and other out trans folks. But for a lot of the country, those resources either don't exist at all or are only shared sort of through um, social connections and by word of mouth. It's not something that you can, you know, go online and say nearest transgender doctor. And if you're far from a population center or just in an area that doesn't have a lot of out trans folks, that might be really hard to find and, and difficult to get. And the other component is a lot of folks who are supportive of the transgender community, are supportive of LGBT rights more broadly, think that protections exist mm -hmm. when they don't. Yeah. You know, last night I was reading through some comments in an article about transgender people, and one of the commenters said, well-intentioned, well, right, but these protections are already there, so we don't need to be having this argument. And someone responded, well, no, at a federal level, there isn't much protection for transgender people. And at a state level, it really differs from state to state. And this person said, oh, okay, well, now I understand more why people are so vocal about this. I just assumed that these protections exist when they don't. Interesting discussion. I mean, you know, I, I know this can lean in a political direction very quickly in a lot of places, and especially on the federal level, certainly, um, given a lot of uh, the recent activities, you know, with the current president. But at the same time, you're right. There are a lot of people who just don't know what the protections are within each state within each community there are even different protections within our state here in virginia where different you know communities different cities different counties will decide on different things regarding the school system and the bathrooms and transgender students in that way that you know it's it's different across the board i wish it wasn't that way and i'm sure you're you're hearing a lot of the same thing from the trans community absolutely and really just the the huge range of experiences from phenomenal support and really trans folks who are able to thrive in environments where there is a strong community and there is protections and the um, folks in that community have their back to really awful discrimination and harassment and violence and unfortunately sometimes um, murder. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and how sad it is. And, you know, talking about so many violent acts uh, that I think have been brought a little more uh, in, into the media spotlight uh, in the last year or so. But I'm really it's been long before that, too. A lot of it we just didn't hear about. Right. And, and one of the things that, again, can be tough for folks if this is a new if transgender identity is new to them is the language we're using has changed over the last couple decades, let alone the last hundred years. You know, the word transsexual wasn't created until the 20th century, but the experience of being trans or of having an internal sense of gender that doesn't match what your body might be telling you or what society might be telling you, that has existed in every culture around the world at every point in history. 
And so while the language we use might be new, the experience and the diversity of human experience is not new at all. Mm, that's a very good point. Rebecca Kling is my guest on this episode as we are talking about how to support the transgender people in your life. And I want to kind of take a, a sidestep here and do a little 101, Rebecca. I know that a lot of people, um, you may have heard me mention it at, at the beginning of the episode, talking about non-binary. What's the difference between non-binary and transgender? Well, for some people, there is an overlap. Some folks are non-binary and transgender. Very broadly, non-binary is using language around the gender binary. So we have this idea of men are on one side and women are on the other side. And what it means to be a man or a woman is binary in our culture. It's sort of one or the other. Someone who's non-binary is saying, well, actually, my sense of my identity, my internal understanding of myself, of who I am, isn't male or female, or it might be both, or it might flow between one and the other. And sometimes someone who's non-binary may also identify as transgender, but someone who's non-binary may not. They may say, you know, my identity isn't where the world sees it or isn't this binary one or the other, but trans isn't the right label for me either. Similarly, not all transgender people are non-binary. You know, speaking as a transgender person myself, I am pretty binary. Mm -hmm. I identify as a woman, and I have long hair, and I wear makeup and jewelry and dresses, not that those are necessarily the things that make someone a man or a woman, but that's the identity that I hold. That doesn't mean that everyone works that way or that everyone's identity works that way. So non-binary folks are people who know that their sense of themselves, their authentic being, isn't male or female, or might be both, or might be flowing between one or the other. One of the things that I hear a lot from my transgender friends is that the pronoun discussion can be a little awkward sometimes if you are, uh, uh, you know, even starting off with your friends can be a little awkward, and then especially to the world around you. How do we handle the pronoun issue? You know, what, what, do, we, what do I call my transgender friend? He, she, doesn't it really start with let's ask them and and then go from there. Absolutely. And I think when you're trying to uh, embrace anyone's identity, that's a good place to start. And going back to the idea of what questions are appropriate, asking someone's name and asking someone's pronouns is almost always going to be appropriate because those are things you need to be able to talk about them and respect them. Anything deeper than that, someone's medical history, who they're dating, how their body works, what their family thought, Probably not something that you need to know. Probably not something that, um, particularly if it's a new relationship, is appropriate to pry. Now, there are definitely different ways of, of asking someone's pronoun, and some of those are more polite than others. If someone is asking my pronouns, I'm going to feel a lot more respected if they sort of do it privately mm -hmm. than if we're at a dinner party and they yell across the long table, hey, Rebecca, what pronouns do you use? So thinking about how to politely and respectfully ask in a way that doesn't um, single someone out, doesn't make things awkward, and doesn't sort of highlight that you're asking that. It might also be appropriate to ask someone else in the space. You know, if I'm entering a new space that everyone else already knows each other, I might ask someone, hey, can you um, remind me what that person's pronoun is? Or you could, can you help me uh, with that person's pronoun? That said, trans people are people, and 
unfortunately, there is not always consensus of what, means, what it means to be polite, and not everyone agrees on what it means to be respectful. So I would say to, to you and to other listeners that you may at some point ask someone's pronouns and they will be offended. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you necessarily did it wrong, and that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it again in the future. It means that wherever that person was, that was something that they weren't interested in, in talking with you about. But it doesn't necessarily mean that overall that's the wrong approach. Because, again, we can't guarantee that every person is going to want everything exactly the same unless we're sort of broadly talking about respecting everyone. Well, just like any other, you know, sensitive, it can be a sensitive topic. And what if, you know, I I find uh, reminding myself of this, what if this person uh, that I might be speaking to or wanting to speak to or wanting to get to know more, what if they are in the midst of transition uh, from identifying as one gender to another, identifying as one pronoun to another? What if there is a transition going on there? Just like any other sensitive subject, what if I'm going through a transition about my sexuality or some other piece of my identity that can be hard to talk about sometimes right and being able to talk about the way that we identify and how we want the world to see that and to embrace it can absolutely be complicated we are talking about our transgender community and our transgender friends and one of the things and how to support them. And, and one of the things that I wanted to touch on a little bit, Rebecca, is about so many people that I know um, that identify as straight or even identify as gay. And maybe they, they just don't know any transgender people or don't have any transgender people in their uh, immediate uh, group of friends. They still want to get out and support them, not only personally personally, but also publicly uh, with, you know, they're protecting their rights. What are some ways that people can do that? Sure. I like to think about that as sort of the spectrum from the small interpersonal stuff to the big society world changing stuff. Right. At the interpersonal level, you can uh, acknowledge if someone makes an anti-transgender joke, or you can comment on someone's Facebook page supporting them if they post an article in, that's uh, positive about transgender people, maybe um, critiquing or pushing back if they post something that's negative about transgender people, uh, reminding people in your circle of friends that anti-trans jokes are not appropriate, even if there's not a transgender person around, because First, we don't want to be mean to people just because they're not there. And second, someone might be transgender and you just might not know it. Moving a little bigger, thinking about how do I change the organizations I'm in? How do I change my work environment to make sure that we are um, supportive of trans applicants and trans staff members? How do I make sure that our policies at work, that our health insurance is going to be supportive of transgender people, that the way we use language in HR is going to support our transgender employees, that none of my coworkers are intentionally or unintentionally uh, being transphobic when they're interacting with the public. And then sort of the bigger society level stuff is working with organizations like the National Center for Transgender Equality, my employer, and working with other organizations doing the important work. So either working with your time and volunteering, working with your wallet and donating, um, and then voting and rallying and writing elected officials and pushing your friends and family and coworkers and community to do the same. And anyone can do something on there. I think it's unrealistic to expect everyone 
to be at maximum ally for every community 24-7. Right. Know, sometimes right. you need to go home and watch Netflix. Right. But I think there is something on that list of those interpersonal to the bigger organizational to the even bigger societal that everyone can do. And so even if it's not going to be marching, then maybe you donate. If it's not going to be donating, maybe you write a letter to your elected official. If it's not going to be writing a letter, or as we have in Washington, D.C., if I don't have representation in Congress, then maybe I'm going to write a blog post about it, or maybe I'm going to encourage my friends who are in surrounding states or across the country to make sure that they write their elected officials. There's really something that anyone can do, even if no two people are able to do exactly the same thing. Exactly. I, I, and I think, too, uh, that when you find something that speaks to you as a person, maybe maybe you gravitate to that piece of it. You know, for instance, maybe you uh, want to write a letter and say, hey, maybe we should you know, or, or talk to your HR, or talk to you, the, the person in charge of, of your uh, of your job. But maybe you you just sit down and say, hey, maybe we should rethink some of these uh, uh, gender forms on the documents and, and what we're asking on our documents. Do we really need that? Maybe you can write a letter to a restaurant. I'm thinking about a restaurant that, that is a huge restaurant in our area and something that I, I just recently noticed I, a couple of weeks ago, I'm walking to the restroom and we have gender neutral restrooms in this restaurant and I just want to stop for a moment and say thank you to them and, and so I say to the owner, thank you for doing that. I think that's fantastic and I think more of our restaurants should do that. Maybe you just gravitate to some of those things. That's a great place to start. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. When we're talking about the uh, guide to helping and supporting the transgender people in your life, I, I can only imagine, Rebecca, that you work with a lot of families and that you get to meet a lot of people and hear a lot of stories, some of those fantastic, fabulous success stories, and some sad. And I know that in a lot of ways, some of our trans family in our communities are hurting in a lot of ways and I know a lot of people just want to reach out and help and you're right I think if we can just start with those with those small pieces it's important too to know who you're going to be voting for and what they stand for it sure is and there is something incredibly powerful about seeing allies out in the world that um I remember being at a party when I was sort of in the process of transitioning and overheard someone say something that was sort of problematic about trans identity. And I had this moment of like, oh, am I going to go do something? Do I have to get up and deal with this? I just want to be here and socialize. And before I made my decision, I overheard a friend whose back was to me, didn't know I could hear him, saying, hey, Becca's talked a lot about this, and I think what you just said is not okay. And that type of allyship, even when you're not sure anyone is listening, is so critically important. Mm, that's very powerful. I, I, I love that. I love it a lot. When we're in our communities, our growing, diverse communities, I mean, I feel like even uh, in our community, which is uh, tends to, to lean in a more conservative direction here, there's there's so many people who are aching for change. And there's so many people who are aching for our communities to open up and to be able to just let it be. I, I feel like people want the change and sometimes they just don't know where to start. And so I agree that sometimes people don't know where to start and sometimes one, um, I'm, I'm not sure what metaphor I use, one squeaky wheel, one bad apple, right. one squeaky apple. Um, I like that one. Can, <laughs> can give the impression that there's community consensus against trans people when it's actually just 
maybe one or two parents or one or two community members who, from a misplaced sense of how do you protect children or from a misplaced understanding of what it means to be transgender, make it seem like there's this big stink when I agree with you, really, a lot of people want to be supportive but aren't totally sure how. And I would encourage, if I can plug, um, the National Center for Transgender Equality's website is transequality.org, and we have some great resources to learn both about transgender identity in general and then some specific things of what folks can do. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned that, actually, because your website is a fantastic resource. It really is. And I also know that some of our trans friends and transgender friends here in our community will be uh, listening to this. If someone is approaching a transgender uh, identity in their life and it's very new for them, that can also be very daunting to understand and your website also a good resource for that 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 would be a good place to to go and and maybe seek some information absolutely and for any transgender folks who are listening i want to specifically highlight a couple things or for people who know transgender people in their lives who might be looking for resources there are two uh, particular action centers that we have on our website that I know I've found useful in my own personal life, and one of them is our ID Document Center, and that has information on how trans folks can change their identification documents and support and resources around what are the sort of steps to take to do that, as well as our State Action Center. And our State Action Center flags uh, where there are anti-trans bills or policies or laws that are brewing and what people can do to push back against those. This It is really a great resource. There's so many great topics on the website, including things that you may not be thinking about, like uh, the homeless shelters and uh, the LGBTQ community within the prison system. I mean, just so many things that I think you may forget about if, if you're not in that community. Right. And I'm trans 24-7. I don't get to put that down. I don't get to walk away with it. Not that I would want to, right. but that does mean that if I am pulled over, I continue to be trans during that, and hopefully, knock on wood, I don't have a negative interaction, but unfortunately, law enforcement is not always supportive of the transgender community. If I go into the emergency room, I'm fortunate enough to have insurance but I might run into a doctor who is either ignorant or actively hostile to me as a trans person. If I'm flying, we certainly have, um, we have resources and information on our website, but also just there are um, pretty consistently stories of the idea of sort of flying while trans, of is the TSA gonna flag me down? What are they gonna do when they learn that um, this part of my body is different than they might expect? And unfortunately, those are all things that happen to the trans community because we're trans all the time. It's powerful stuff. And I do want to mention, I know this could be a whole nother show, Rebecca, I realize that. But I do want to mention because this is something that we have uh, seen a lot of uh, in our community and that we continue to see trans students. That, that can be a whole separate discussion. But you can get information on how the schools are dealing with especially the uh, the restroom issues and things that they are they're talking about with the transgender students and the gender nonconforming students there's information and and to ask your school board or to ask the PTA or to ask the school system what's going on and, and how they are supporting I think that's a good thing to to know what that discussion is about 
Absolutely. And on our website, we also have a school action center that has some resources for um, either trans folks or parents of trans young people or guardians of trans young people of sort of what um, legal rights people do have in schools, what people can do to, to make those rights more explicit or to push their school districts or their counties or their states to do better. And one of the things that has been so gratifying about able to being able to connect with trans folks and with allies and families across the country is seeing how how much trans young people can thrive with that support and that if the adults in a community set the tone there really is no issue that that um, young people take their cues from the adults in their lives and if there is unquestioning support from parents and from educators and from administrators and from the community, kids get on board immediately. And in many cases, faster than the adults in their lives. Because to young people, the entire goal of being a young person is to figure out who you are and how you turn from a young person into an adult. And that goal and that exploration isn't fundamentally different for trans, is not fundamentally different for transgender people. And there's, there's sort of an overriding um, beauty and, and desire to connect among young people of, okay, you're trans, whatever. Do you want to go play in the sandbox? Right. Oh, you're trans, right. whatever. You want to go watch the new Avengers movie? Right. And that's not always, not 100%, but that more often than not, if there is a pushback in an education environment, it is from a, a parent or an adult or a guardian or a teacher and if there is a young person who's pushing back, there is usually a there is usually someone behind. Uh, uh, I'm going to try and phrase this carefully. I am not saying that those concerns are fake. I'm saying that those concerns are often fanned by adults who have anti-trans agendas. Absolutely, and the weight uh, rests on our shoulders, adults, no doubt about it, to support our young people as they do grow and learn. And and, and what a tender time for them to be doing it. So uh, we should be even more so, uh, you know, in a place of welcoming the questions. Right. Uh, I would love for, for you to tell everybody where they can where, where they can get all of that. If you'll mention your website and and maybe where they can get in touch with you uh, as well, because I, I know a lot of people are saying, "Hey, maybe I have another question for Rebecca that you didn't ask." Absolutely, um, our website is transequality.org, and a couple of things that I'll flag um, along the top. If you click the about transgender people section, that has a bunch of resources and videos to help sort of learn what it means to be transgender or non-binary. Learn a little more about what you can do to support the trans folks in your life. In the upper right of the site, there is a share your story link, and that's a place that transgender people, parents and families, allies can share stories of support, can share stories of discrimination, can share stories of their experiences. And with people's permission, we never do this without people's permission, we will use those stories in our advocacy so that when someone is speaking with an elected official or when we are doing a media project or when we are connecting people with opportunities to share their stories, we're able to draw those stories from the community itself. If folks are interested in getting in touch with me either with more questions or thoughts or to learn more about sharing their own stories, my email address is pretty easy to remember. It's my first initial and last name, so 
R-K-L-I-N-G at transequality.org. Rebecca Kling, the Education Program Director for the National Center for Transgender Equality. This has been a powerful, informative, inspirational discussion. Thank you very much for having it with me. You're welcome, and thank you for the opportunity. This has been The Outcast. I stand with you, and I stand for you. And you can get in touch with me through email anytime to share your thoughts or your story. D at WBQB.com. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by the host and guests on this podcast are their own and not necessarily those of Centennial Broadcasting.